how to have an awesome relationship with God, with your father. The greatest relationship you could ever have, whether you ever get married or don't get married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids. Uh, for all of eternity, you're going to be in God's presence. So it's real. it would behoove you now to go ahead and get acquainted with his presence and enjoy it while you're down here rather than just looking forward to it when you get up there. Because I'm telling you, it'd be a great benefit to you if you learn how to get in God's presence. So we spent one Sunday just talking about how do you get in His presence. And last week we started talking about communication. If you're going to have any type of great relationship with your spouse, you need to learn how to effectively communicate. And there's just certain times in your marriage, you know, you don't uh, uh, approach a, a mad mama bear a certain way. No, if you've made your spouse mad, you know, you got to you got to learn how to communicate with that mad bear or it will eat you. Right. If, if Papa Bear's mad, you know, if you approach Papa Bear wrong, you know, then it can be not so good. So in relationships, you learn uh, whenever things are smooth and good and how to communicate, how to approach each other. If you've got kids, you know, I have two kids and I have to approach one kid a little different than the other kid. You know, I thought that I could approach both of them the, the same way. And I learned it just doesn't work the same way. My daughter is like a Bull. She's like a bull with big horns, big ferocious horns. And whenever you approach the bull, if you've ever messed with horses, they tell you, don't come in to the horse by his back legs or he'll kick you. You got to approach the horse from the front end and you grab the horse and you caress the horse. That's my daughter right there. You, you got to come into her from the front. Right, you got to come into her, and you got to sign. You got to, you got to, got to be real sweet to her and gentle and nice. Or uh, she, she's, she's tough, right? I mean, she hits hard. She bites hard. I don't want to give you a naked impression of my, of my daughter, but she's just different, right? Whenever I discipline my daughter, you can spank her, and that just makes her matter. Right? She's just like, you've made it worse. <laughs> Where with Noble, if I just look at Noble, you know, and I could just give him, just cut him my eyes. And he's like, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. But Noble is just real tender. You know, he's like, a, he's like a sweet kid, really good kid. But Ansley, she's like her mom. She's kind of like a bull. She's kind of like a bull. Uh, if you know my wife, she's just straight. You can tell my wife that. She knows. She is hard. Uh, so, so I have to learn, how I have to communicate with each one of them different. Well, communication, uh, it's an art. And there's different times you communicate different ways. So last week we talked, started talking about just communicating with God. There's a way that you approach Him. There's a way that you talk to Him. And uh, this is what I've seen or, or, or over the years is there's people that, that spend their whole life as a Christian and they, they, they say, I talk to God, but God doesn't talk back. I mean, have you ever been there before? I've talked to God every day, but he doesn't ever talk back or I don't ever hear God say anything. Uh, I'm here to tell you there's something wrong with that. Uh, that's, that's, not, that's not good. That's not the relationship that God wants you to have with him. If you were a husband and wife and you were always the one talking and the other one never said anything, how many of y'all know that causes problems? I promise you, I've seen it. It does. It causes a lot of problems. So if you have a, you say, I talk to God all the time, but I don't ever hear him say anything, that, that's, a, that's a problem. Uh, other people say, I talk to God and 
he talks back, I think. Or in other words, they say, I can't tell if what I'm hearing him say to me is him or if it's just me or something that I ate or if it was something that, that my, my mom's always told me. You know, in children's ministry, that, you know, we'd ask kids, say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, oh, my mama said I'm going to be a preacher. Well, your mama doesn't call you to be a preacher, but there's lots of kids whose parents tell them what they're going to be their whole life and then they think that's what their that's what their destiny is no we have to be able to get in God's presence and find out God what do you want me to do and him say it and us be able to accurately find out hey this is God's voice God is speaking to me I want you to know God longs to talk to you and he longs for you to understand him Right? God doesn't want you wondering. I'm confident that my kids know my voice. I'm not as confident that, that your kids would know my voice. But my little kids, they know my voice. So if you're here and you say, you know, I don't have a good communication with God. The good news is, is the more time you spend with Him, the, the better the communication gets. That, that you can learn to hear God's voice better. I could tell you, I hear God better now than I did five years ago. I hear God better now than I did ten years ago. So if, the good news is if you say, I don't hear God's voice, if you'll stick with it, uh, you, you'll get better. And you'll learn to, to find out what He means about things. A good example is you have that beautiful baby over there. And uh, that baby... I may know that I'm talking to it. Right, look at it. It's looking at me. He's like, you are so strange. She, she, no, that's what I said. Uh, she says, she thinks I'm so strange. But, but if I'm talking to her, she can understand. She, she sees that I'm talking. But I mean, I know she doesn't know what I'm saying. Right? She has no idea what I'm saying. She's probably in her mind thinking, you're strange. Eat a mint. You know, who knows what these babies are thinking about whenever you're right in their face going, no, no, no. And they just smile. So they, they understand that you're saying things, but they, they, they haven't grown to a point that they can actually, they understand it completely. But how many of y'all anticipate as that baby grows, she'll get better, right? As that baby, the more time as that baby grows, she'll begin to understand things more completely and better, and she'll understand her parents the best. The, the more, as you grow as a Christian, if you purpose to grow, I mean, y'all know growing's not automatic, but if you purpose to grow as a Christian, you'll learn God's voice, His mannerisms, His attitudes, what He likes and what He don't like. And you'll learn to where it's almost like God can just look at you. How many of you ever had your mom or your daddy just look at you like? And you know, like, daddy's about to come unglued. How many of y'all had a daddy like mine? He come unglued, right? He's about to come unhinged. And daddy just looks at you, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You can get to a point just like that baby will with its parents, that with God you understand what he's saying. So if you're here and you say, I've been praying a long time, but I never hear God say anything, that's a problem. And I want to read this again, John chapter 10, verses 27. In the Amplified Version, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, the sheep that are my own and are listening. How many of y'all know you have to listen for the voice of God? How I many of y'all know distractions can play a big key in whether or not you hear God's voice? Distractions play a big key in it. But how I many of y'all know things can be chaotic and yet you could still hear God's voice? 
So I will say this, that, that if you are in a situation to where you're never quiet with God, then you may not hear his voice as clearly all the time. But you don't have to be in church to hear God's voice. You don't have to be at an altar call. You don't have to be in some real quiet situation. No, Noble knows my voice wherever we are. If I brought Noble to a, a heavy metal concert, I'm not going to. But let's just say me and Noble were down in the mosh pit and things are quite chaotic. Can you just hear that? I just pick him up and throw him on top of there and he crowd surfs. Yes. I want to run. Just kidding. Uh, if I brought Noble to, to, to this chaotic type thing, if he wanted to hear me, we could still communicate. And you can be in some pretty chaotic situations where things are going real crazy. And yet, God, you can still hear his voice. Jesus here, he says, he says, if you're my sheep and if you're listening, he says, I can communicate with you. If you want to hear my voice, he promises, he says, you'll absolutely hear it. He says, my sheep, they're my own. They hear, they're listening to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. Through all eternity they'll never by any means be destroyed. And no one will be able to cut them or snatch them out of my hand. Listen, Jesus wants to communicate with you. God wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk to you. And if you want to hear, you can learn and you can grow just like our beautiful baby over there. You can grow and develop and get to where you hear God's voice better next year than you did this year two years from now better than you did today but i told you seven questions last last week that i wanted to get to and i only got to three of them was if if you feel like i think god's telling me to do this but i don't know if it's really him how many have ever been there I think God's telling me to do this, but I'm not quite sure if it's him. There's a few questions you can ask that will help you determine whether or not it's really God. The first question I told you was, does it agree with the Bible? God's not going to tell you to do something that doesn't agree with the word of God. I've had people tell me some strange things that the Lord told them that they could do. You know, the Lord said that, that we could cohabitate, that we could live together, even though we're not married, because we're getting married. God's not going to tell you to do that. The Lord told me I didn't have to tithe. The Lord told me I didn't have to do this. The Lord told me I didn't have to do that. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, God just probably, He didn't tell you that. He just probably didn't, because the Bible says, He says, me and my Word are one. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. God, he's married to his word. The Bible says it's forever established in heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God is forever. So if you're ever wondering, I wonder if God's telling me to do this, find you some scriptures, and if it doesn't line up scripturally, he probably didn't tell you to do it. Number two, will it make you more like Christ? Is what he's telling you to do, is it going to make you more like Jesus? Jesus is the standard. We are trying to be like Jesus, right? Jesus is. He's patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's gentle. So is what you feel like you're being told to do, is it going to make you more like Jesus? How many of you have ever wanted to slap someone in the name of the Lord? I feel like the Lord is just leading me to whip you right now. No, uh, I'll give you this scripture again. It says wisdom that is from above. James chapter 3 verse 17. Wisdom or instruction that comes from heaven, from above. 
You don't have to worry here. You don't have to wonder. He says, it's first, it's pure. It's peaceable. It, it, doesn't, it, does not, it doesn't bring conflict. I mean, I know that a lot of people do things in the name of the Lord that really is not peaceable. It says, is it gentle? Is it willing to yield? Is it full of mercy? Is, does it have good fruits? Is it without partiality or without hypocrisy? Is what you feel like the Lord is telling you to do, is it going to make you more like Jesus? Number three, last one I got to last week is, do fellow mature believers confirm it? Do you have other people in your life that if you run it through that filter of people that God has put in your life who are mature, successful believers... You should have people in your life that if you're going to make a big business decision, that you have some people that are successful in business, that love Jesus, that you could run that information through that filter. And you'll have people that, that, that will help you because you may say, you know, I've had this job for 14 years. I got a good 401k, but I feel like the Lord is, is telling me to quit my job and start a snow cone stand then you need some good people in your life that will help counsel you and say, hey, you know, I, I'm not going to say the Lord didn't tell you to do that, but I want you to think this through. Think about this. If you're struggling with teenagers or if you're struggling with kids or young people, if you feel like the Lord's telling you to do something, you need to talk to some people. You need to run it through some filter, some people in your life that you love and trust and say, I feel like, I feel like this is what the Lord's telling me to do. And, and I'm not quite sure. And what do you think about it? And see, it's, see what they say. I mean, I think that's a good idea. I mean, I know a lot of times people don't want to do that. I mean, men don't, don't want to do that, right? I know what I'm doing. Woman. Don't say that. I know what I'm doing, right? That's what you feel like. I know what I'm doing. I don't need anybody. Well, it's good. I'm telling you. Proverbs chapter 4. It says, in, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. God's designed a safe place. And it's, and it's in a multitude of counselors. Really save you a lot of trouble. How I many of y'all know God wants to talk to you? He wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear Him accurately, correctly, and make the right choices. That's why He's given you the Word of God. So that you can know. And He gives you people in your life. So you don't have to go through your life and say, I don't know if God really hears me or is speaking to me or I don't hear him accurately. He wants you to hear him. Number four. How many are ready for number four? This is where we left off. Number four. You can ask yourself. You say, is what I feel like the Lord is telling me to do, is this consistent with how God shaped you is what you feel like the Lord's telling you to do. Is it consistent with how the Lord has shaped you? Each one of you has a shape, right? A physical shape, right? We all have that. We have an emotional shape or a, a emotional makeup. We have a past that, that has shaped us to some degree. And if you feel like the Lord is telling you to do something. Does it fit within that shape? Let's say it like this. How many of y'all been watching the finals? Anybody watch the finals? Some of y'all been watching the finals? Me and Elizabeth were watching the finals a couple days ago. And Cleveland's got this 
big old sinner. He's 7'1". He's like 300 pounds. He's a big dude. What's his name, Jeremy? Jimmy Chimmy Moschoff. Yeah, he's not from around here. Uh, he's over there in Goliath country. Uh, he's, the, he's this big old guy, you know, big, 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 huge guy. And if he walked in here right now, every person in here would automatically think he should be doing what? That man right there needs to be playing ball or on a battlefield or jousting people or something. I mean, that guy right there, he has a natural shape to him. If he walked in here and, and he said, I feel like the Lord is leading me to leave basketball and, and try to win the triple crown. How many of y'all watched the triple crown? How many of y'all seen that little fella? Isn't he cute? <laughs> My goodness. He's, he's the cutest can be. He's like 40. He's won, I, I, I think he's won over, I think over 3,000 races. He's been in like over 5,000 races. He's, got, he's won like prize money, $235 million. million. And uh, man, he, he's loaded. And it's so funny because we were watching Secretariat, you know, and Secretariat's got, got that little jockey there. And he's got this really tall, beautiful model. And somebody walks up to the jockey and he says, man, where'd you meet her at? You know, and this one was like towering over him, big six foot, beautiful woman. And he says, I tell her I'm taller when I'm standing on my wallet. <laughs> I love it. Man, how'd you get such a tall, beautiful model? Well, I tell her I'm taller when I'm standing on my wallet. So that's how this little, the little jockey, you know, he's $235 million. He may be little, but, you know, he's done some impressive things. Now, if, if he came in and said, I want to play basketball, we would all think, no, you need to be uh, you, you need to be on the back of a horse. And if Big Dimitri said, I wanted to ride a horse, you say, you're going to need a dinosaur. Uh, you're going to kill that poor horse. Uh, so there's a shape, right? I mean, those guys are automatically shaped a certain way. So if you feel like God's telling you to do something, are you already emotionally shaped a certain way? Me and Elizabeth were, were watching the, uh, the story on the most, the most expensive watches in the world are made by uh, Patek Philippe. And uh, the, the, we were just watching the making of this one watch, two and a half million dollars. Can you imagine strapping on two and a half mil on your, on your you better insure that arm. Uh, Two and a half million dollars on this watch. It'd take them a couple of years to build it. And they show you the inside of it. It takes, uh, it's got like 1,200 movements, things individually moving to make this watch function. And they show these guys sitting in this room that's building it. And they said that there's such filtration that not one piece of particle of dust is allowed in this room. Totally sterile environment. These guys are building this watch through a microscope. I mean, just fascinating. Years to build this thing. Well, how many of y'all know you can't be a spaz and work at Patek, right? If you go in for that job interview, I feel like the Lord really wants me to work here. Uh, if you're a spaz, you're not going to be cut out for that type of environment. So God has fashioned you or formed you or shaped you to do certain things. Some people love computers. Some people not so much. Some people love kids. How many of y'all know? Some people not so much. I want to work in the children's ministry. Get out of here. It's like, I'm not sure. I think we're going to put you over there. 
I feel like the Lord really wants, well, I don't know. So, so he's, well, Pastor, so are you saying that, that, that if the Lord is challenging me to do something that I've never done before, that I should discredit that and say that that's not from the Lord? No, the Lord's told me to do several things that, that naturally I may not be the most gifted for. But he took me through a series of preparation. In other words, whenever, whenever uh, Han, uh, Eli was given Samuel. Hannah had a child named Samuel. And Hannah brought her son Samuel to Eli. And, he, and, and Hannah told Eli, he said, uh, Eli, you minister before the Lord. But I feel like Samuel is supposed to be in God's presence with you. That you're supposed to train him to minister before the Lord. It was years and years and years of preparation in Samuel's life before he was ready to actually minister before the Lord. So I'm not telling you that if you aren't musically inclined, the Lord may not tell you to learn the guitar. I'm just saying before you take the stage, you may want to know more than bring... You may not be ready is all I'm saying. So the Lord, he may tell you to do things like that, but you have a shape. Let's say it like this. Adam, the Bible says, Adam was formed out of the dust of the earth. In other words, God didn't just throw something together with Adam. Right? He didn't throw something together. He fashioned him and formed him a certain way. And then he breathed his breath into him. He created Adam for a purpose. Let's say it like this. Lots of people say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's true. But if you're 7'1 and you weigh 300 pounds, you probably aren't going to win the triple crown. Because, let's say it like this, I can do all things through the Creator. He created you for a purpose. And you can do everything for what He created you for. But if He didn't create you for that purpose, then, then you can't say, I can do all things through Him. No, Jesus is the Creator. He, he, he created you for something. And within that framework, nothing can stop you. In the Old Testament, God said it like this. He says, I'm the potter and you're the clay. And I'll form you and make you into a vessel. I'm the potter, you're the clay. He told Jeremiah, he says, before you were ever in your mother's womb, I formed you, I created you, I gave you a destiny and a purpose. Every person in here. God created you. He formed you. He fashioned you. He made you for a reason. For a purpose. And if you're here and you say. I feel like the Lord's telling me to do something. Well you have a natural shape about you. Emotionally. Physically. And you have to figure. Is, is what I feel like the Lord's telling me to do. Does it go with that shape? In the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We don't have time to look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 2. The, the Bible says, In the master's house, there are many vessels. How many of y'all have a Tupperware drawer like I do? Don't you? Oh, I told my wife last week, I said, we're about to fix this. I got 100 bowls and 200 lids and none of them match. 
I'm, I'm not liking it. We're going to dump this thing out. So I have a Tupperware bowl, Tupperware drawer, but also we have a hutch that has stuff in it that literally we've been married 15 years and my saliva has not christened the rim of some of those bowls or, or glass cups, right? Those vessels are only used, well, apparently never. Apparently, they don't get used. They just sit there because we've been married 15 years and we've never used them yet. But in my house, there's lots of vessels. Some vessels are used for this. Some vessels are used for that. In 2 Timothy, the Bible says, in God's house, there's lots of vessels. And different vessels have different shapes. They were created for a different purpose, a different reason. Each one of you have been created for a purpose or a reason. And if you're laying in your bed, you say, God, I feel like you're telling me to do this. After you've run it through some of these other questions, you just have to figure out, is, does this go with what, what I feel like the, the, the temperament or the emotion, the things that God has called me to do? I've learned this the hard way. I've tried to do things that I like doing, but I wasn't created to do them. How many ever watch American Idol? It's full of people who like singing. How many of y'all know they were not called to sing? <laughs> so you can like something without necessarily being called to do it. And I tell you, I've, messed, I've missed this a couple of times when I felt like this is what I felt like the Lord wants me to do. And it's like, no, that's something that you enjoy, not necessarily something that you should do. We have to, we have to move on. Number is it five? Does it con does this? The question you ask is: Does it concern my responsibility? Is it your responsibility to be here in this? And and, and let me just try to go through this one kind of quickly. There was a point whenever Jesus told Peter, He says, "Peter, you're going to die. For me, uh, they're going to torture you, and then they're going to kill you. You're going to be murdered or martyred." Uh, for me, y'all know what Peter says? He looks over at John and he says, Oh, what about him? How is he going to die? How many of y'all remember what Jesus said? Jesus told him, he says, Peter, that's none of your business. In other words, he says, Peter, I'm not going to talk to you about John. I'm talking to you about you. And, it, and if you have people in your life that always have a word for you, the Lord told me you're going to get well. The Lord told me that you should make this move. The Lord told me that, 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 that this is the secret sin. How many ever walk up to you and tell, they tell you, the Lord told me about your secret sin? Nobody? Uh, so sometimes people speak on behalf of the Lord for other people. But I want to tell you, and, and you can write this down if you have room for it. The Lord is primarily, he's going to speak to you about you. And if you're always getting messages from the Lord about other people, there's a good chance it's not from the Lord. The Lord is primarily, He's going to talk to you about you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. In other words, He's going to talk to people primarily about that individual. So are you saying, Pastor, that, you never, uh, that, that God never uses you to speak to people? No, He, certain, he certainly does. He, he certainly does. But... Most of the time, let's say it like this, most of the time the Lord is going to talk to you about you. And if the Lord does lead you to, to talk to somebody, uh, most of the time it's going to be in an encouraging way. In other words, he's not going to use you as a way to like whip them. 
God's not going to use you as a way to spank his kids. How I many I know there's only certain people you allow to spank your kids? You don't just allow strangers, I don't think. I mean, you don't just like allow people just to walk in and say, you need a spanking. No, what do you do as a daddy if somebody does that? You're like, well, I'm telling you, the spanking's coming your way. I'm going to grab a can of beans off of this grocery store shelf right here. No, God's not going to use you to always be speaking into people's life emphatically. No, God, uh, if you're going to listen, for, listen to God. Listen for yourself. Don't listen for anybody else. Uh, and I'll give, you, I'll give you this verse. Romans chapter 14, verse 4, it says, Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? By their own master, they will judge them whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. When you listen for God's voice, listen for yourself, not for somebody else. The reason that you're communicating with God is because you're listening or you're hearing for yourself. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of people that will say, they'll walk up to people and say, the Lord told me you're going to be a teacher. Or the Lord told me that you're going to be this. Or the Lord told me that you're going to do that. And I just caution you, if you have a lot of people in your life like that, you need to run that through some other filters. And if you're one of these people that's always saying that, the Lord told me this about them. Well, well, if the Lord does that, usually, how many of you have ever had this? Everyone in there, I'm sure, has had this before. If the Lord is going to use you to speak to somebody else, it's usually going to confirm what they already have heard. You say, the Lord, you know, the, you are in my heart and I was praying and I felt like I should share that with you. Nine times out of ten, what are they going to say? They're going to say, I felt the same thing. In other words, you're just confirming what the Lord already told them. So if you feel like you always got somebody to give something from the Lord, be patient. Let the Lord talk to them first. And then whenever you tell them nine times out of ten, they'll say, I felt the same way. The Lord told me the same thing. He's been dealing with me about that. So number five, does it concern your responsibility? Number six, is it convicting rather than condemning? You could say it like this. Is what you feel like you're being told, does it make you want to get in God's presence or run from God's presence? Of all seven, this is probably one that I see a, a whole lot. And this is the difference between conviction or condemnation. If you do something that you're not supposed to do, the Lord will talk to you about it. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You sit down to the computer and you're tempted to look at something you're not supposed to look at. You're tempted to flirt or overly flirt or you're tempted to, to fudge on some numbers financially and, and you're tempted to do it. The Lord, down on the inside, he'll say, don't do it. Don't do it. And then if you go, if you do do it, the Lord will convict you about doing it. How many of you have ever been there? Sure, we've all been there. But conviction is like a, it's like a, a, a point of light. And the Lord will shine that on you to reveal something that's wrong so that you can fix it. But the moment you repent and fix it, then that conviction is gone or it's supposed to be gone. But what happens is most people, that they let conviction turn into a cloud. Conviction is a light condemnation is a cloud and it's a cloud of shame it's a cloud of guilt it's a cloud that follows them everywhere they go and it makes them not want to get in God's presence how many ever been there before you feel like I don't want to get in God's presence 
And the devil will trick you into thinking that your cloud is from God. Right? God's punishing you for something that you did. And now you don't want to get in God's presence because there's this cloud of condemnation that follows you around. Listen, if God is speaking to you, I can tell you, He will shine a light a light, so that you can make a change. But He's never going to speak to you in such a way that devalues you, that, that questions your value. God's not going to do that. He's not going to attack your value. So if you're here and you feel like, you know, God's mad at me all the time. Or, or I feel like the Lord, uh, he's, he's punishing me. Listen, the Lord's not going to punish you for weeks on end. He's just not. How many of if you have kids, how many of y'all know that whenever my kids screw up, they make a mistake, what do I do? I shine a light on it. Bam. I know what you did. Told you not to do it. You did it anyway. And I deal with that. But after that, Am I expecting them three months from now to be crawling into my room to talk to me? No way. You're kidding me. I want them to deal with it and then forget it and come in to my presence like my son. Right? So if you're here and you're always, you always feel like, I feel like I, people, I'm telling you, I get unusual conversations. People say, the Lord, he, uh, I, I. I did this three weeks ago and the Lord's still punishing me. No, I can tell you with 100% certainty, that's not conviction, that's condemnation. That's not a light to help you change. That is a cloud to keep you out of God's presence. That's not a light to help you move forward. That is a cloud to keep you depressed and weak and, and, and from being with your Father. And that is not the voice of God. So if what you're hearing, if, if it's not helping you and liberating you, it's not, it's not the voice of God. Conviction comes from God. Condemnation does not. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Ongoing guilt after a confession is not from God. It's from Satan. I'm going to say that one more time before we move on. Ongoing guilt. It, after, you've, after you told the Lord you were sorry. After you repented, ongoing guilt after a confession is not from God. I'm going to say it one more time. I see this one a lot. Ongoing guilt after a confession, that's not the voice of God. It's right out of the pit of hell. That's what it is. And if you don't, if you don't believe me, watch how you deal with your own kids. Your own kids, they make a mistake. They get it right and they come with the right heart and the right attitude. You, you give mercy, love, change you'll take them for ice cream and yet people will run from the presence of God for 15 years because they think God's mad at them and they think it's actually from heaven but it's from the devil the devil he'll take he'll tell you say just sin it won't matter it won't it won't matter it won't matter it won't matter he'll make it real little and then whenever you sin what does he do you're a horrible person I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you would. You're supposed to be a Christian. So he makes it real small. Then he makes it real big. And he does that so that he'll keep you out of God's presence. And you won't hear God's voice. Ongoing guilt after a confession. It's not from God. It's from Satan. The last one. Number seven. And I'll have to. Some of this I'll get into next week. Is do I have God's peace about it? Every person in here has, has done this before. 
How many times have you seen on television somebody, somebody, something tragic happened, and yet they knew I shouldn't. Uh, something told me not to go there. Something told me not to get on the plane. Something told me not to make that investment. Something told me there was a compass on the inside of you. And every person in here has a compass, and that compass is peace. Jesus said, he says, I'm about to leave you, but I'm going to leave you. He says, I'm going to leave my peace with you. And that peace is a supernatural compass. I don't have time to, to go all into it this morning. Have you ever been lost before? Yes, I've been lost a few times. One time I got lost in the mall, I was about six, and I had to have the policeman bring me to the office and call my mama over the intercom. Have you ever had that? But my mother had left the mall. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> huh? Yes, without me. Uh, can you believe my mother? Uh, man, I'm still broke up about it. Still tore up about it. You can tell I haven't moved on. Just kidding. So we've all been lost. I was lost just not to, a couple of years ago. I got lost while I was doing some hunting, and I wish I would have had a compass. And a compass is just a supernatural something on the inside of you when you know something's not right here. I'm telling you that's God speaking to you, and he's given us this area, this thing. He's given it to us. I'll read this last verse, and then I'll have to close. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. God here, he says, he says, let the peace, let peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule and act as an umpire continually in your hearts. What's it do? It helps you decide and settle with finality all questions that arise in your minds. How many have ever had some questions arise in your minds? God says, Jesus says, I'm going to give you this compass, this peace, and it's going to help you settle all questions that arise in your life. I'm giving this to you as a gift before I leave the planet. This is Jesus here speaking. He says, I'm going to give you this gift, and it's going to help you in your decision making. And he says, it's actually going to act like an umpire. What's an umpire do? Ball, strike. Decisions come your way, and the peace of God will either tell you swing or don't swing. How many ever swing before? Have you ever swung before at a ball? Swing and a miss, swing and a miss, and then you strike out, and you're like, God, I can't believe you let this happen to me. And God's like, No, I've given you an umpire of peace, and He was telling you, Don't swing at that ball. Don't swing at that ball. How many of you ever, there's been situations in your life that seemed like you couldn't miss? It seemed like he's handsome. He's got a job. Praise the Lord. If you're a woman speaking. Thank you. Uh, he's got a car. Man, he, he likes his mama. He don't have 19 kids. And you're checking all the boxes off on this guy. And yet... You go out to dinner with him and there's just something on the inside of you that says, something ain't right here. Something ain't right here. Have you ever been there before? How many out there, there's been other times in your life when, when none of the box are checked and you thought, I'm going to be taking a demotion. I'm going to make less money. I'm going to move to a city I necessarily don't like and all these things and none of the boxes are checked and even your parents are like, 
are you crazy? Why are you even considering this? And yet there's a compass down on the inside of you that says, that's where I need to go to school. That's the job I need to take. I need to pursue this relationship a little bit more. And, and it doesn't make sense. And yet God, he's given us something that will help you after you've run it through some of these other questions that will help you make the right choices. What's the whole point of today? Listen, God wants to communicate with you. And he's given us his word. He's given us his peace. He's given us other people. He's gone out of his way so that you don't go your whole life wondering, I never hear God say anything to me. Or, or I'm not sure what it is. No, I'm telling you, you can know. And, and people will help you so that you can hear God's voice. We have to close. Let's pray this morning. Thank God that you're not a God of disorder, but you are a God of peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're teaching us just real practical, Lord, how we can hear the voice of our shepherd, how we can hear the voice of our Father, that you long to communicate with us and you want us to have full assurance that we're, that we're hearing from you. Thank you, Lord, for what, you're, what you've said this morning through your word through your instruction. Thank you, Lord, that we purpose in our heart to, to grow up, to not stay a baby, but to spend time with you and to learn the voice of our Father, to learn the voice of a shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in each one of us corporately and individually.